Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, we are live here on the UFC Vegas 61 post-fight show. That card is in the books. Yan Jonan picks up the biggest win of her career against Mackenzie Dern in the main event. But I have a feeling there'll be a lot of discussion about that fight, the scoring of the fight, etc. And I'm here with a man who has a lot on his mind right now, a lot going on, including his Georgia Bulldogs apparently playing not like... It's horrific, Mike. (laughs) It's so bad. And I'm also supposed to be working this BKFC card which is horrific in a very different kind of way. And all my technology is failing. I'm having a rough night, bud. Having a rough night. But let's talk about Mackenzie Dern, one of the most interesting fighters in MMA. So this this is an interesting fight. I mean, I I don't know if it was a good fight. I I don't don't really know. It was definitely not that. (laughs) I don't know if there were any good fights on this card, man. Yeah. I mean, well, there are a couple, but it was was an interesting fight. Yan Jona was clearly winning on the feet and anything that didn't involve being in a guard position or being mounted or anything like that. But there are two big rounds for Mackenzie Dern. Round two, round five was huge. She was like this close to getting that arm for an arm bar with like, 10 seconds left in the fight. Jan gets free, lands a couple of shots. The horn sounds. Now, MMA Fighting's official score, the stance, 47-47, a draw, a 10-8 fifth round for Mackenzie Dern. And for those who follow you on social media, you throw out a different kind of a scorecard. How did you score this fight for those who didn't see it? I scored a 47-46 Dern. I think, kind of looking back on it, I think... I actually should have scored it 46-46 for a draw. Uh, I'll rewatch it tomorrow at some point and and decide if I change my opinion. But I and I know I said it on my Twitter when I posted it. I knew I was gonna catch heat for it, and that's fine. Like I gave Dern two 10-8 rounds. I I think what I didn't do and I maybe should have done was I should have given Jan a 10-8 for that third round where she really had Dern on skates with that one big left hook. 
but because Jan didn't really follow up that shot at all and just stayed to her game plan, it I just gave her a 10-9. But I, by the letter of the law, it's fine not to give Dern 10-8s for rounds two and rounds five. I really think that you should give Dern 10-8s for rounds two and five. If, if MMA scoring is to mean anything, it feels a lot like those rounds deserve 10-8s for me. Um, just because, and for the people who I'm sure the comments are already going wild about this, uh, the very brief rundown of 10 eights is that if, if a fighter has damage duration and dominance, you have to give one. If they have two of the three, you may give one. Dern very clearly had two of the three in both of those rounds. And I, I would by definition, then give her the 10 eights that I think she rightly deserves there. So I don't have an issue with her not winning the fight because holistically it was awful. Like the fight as in totality, uh, really bad, but I did score for her. And I I think that's a defensible scorecard. Yeah. I I don't hate that one. I mean, it's, it's tough to like live blog and then watch. It's incredibly difficult. Very, very difficult. So as I'm trying to multitask and watch the fight and then type without misspelling every word, I scored, I scored the second 10-9 for Dern. I have to go back and watch it. The fifth, I definitely scored 10-8 because I think she had, I actually think she had all three of those Ds oh. in the third round. She landed a bunch of I punches agree. in that fight. And she I landed think some actually, punches in the second too, but yeah, I agree with you. But a ton more in the fifth. And honestly, if she kept throwing punches in that fifth, she might've got her out of there. But again, Jan's been, Jan was very tricky on the ground and yeah, it was a, uh, it was a fight, and as our good friend Alexander K. Lee likes to say, that was a, that was a card. That was, that a, was card. a card. Um, yeah, I Dern did a lot of things that are awful in that whole fight, and I am loath to critique her work on the ground because she is obviously much better there than I am. But she did fall into the trap that like a lot of high-level jiu-jitsu players fall into, which is they value the submission over just beating the shit out of somebody. Um, and like Jan was clearly ready for this, for to defend in the ways that it was happening. Like she, she was doing the thing. She was trying to give up the backpack to the back where Dern can't hit her as effectively if she, where she's on her back and Dern's back is to the mat. And instead, like you said, if she had just stuck with the, all right, I'm going to gift wrap you, flatten you out and then just punch you in the side of the head. 57 times that's probably a much more effective way to do it because to my earlier point on the 10-8 round she did it in round two as well she hit her a bunch and then she would stop and fish her submissions and my theory on this has always been they're uncomfortable when you're hitting them when you fish for the submission that's when they have time to get their wits about them and play and play defense again like it's very an all or nothing proposition if you don't get the submission you haven't affected the fight in a way that you would have if you had just stuck with pop 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 um more specifically would have loved to see some elbows from dern it's not a thing that she ever does she just went for the hammer fists which are fine but like yeah you get that sort of dominant position it doesn't take too many elbows to really make somebody change their whole worldview about what the hell's going on so uh like i said i scored it for dern but if you want to score it for Jan, i understand where you're coming from i don't agree but in a big picture, I thought Dern did about a hundred things that I was really thought were bad. 
So I'm okay with punishing somebody for not fighting very well. What's very strange is that two or three fights prior, and I know Joseph Bosa just just put this on, and I'll get to why your hands are in your face in a second. But all we're jo- doing is field goals, Mike. <laughs> it's freaking Missouri. I can, if you want to spend an hour talking about the many failings of Kirby Smart and Stetson Bennett the fourth right now, I would love to go into it because we have one really good player and we're just not throwing him the ball. Like I know, um, I know Brock Bowers is a, is an all American F it. Let's throw it to our bad wide receivers. It's, it's killing me, man. It's a bad what night. I, what I was going to say is that in the Hyone Barcelos, Trevin Jones fight, there's a 30, 25 scorecard there. Someone gave Hyundai Barcelos two 10-8 rounds and only one, there was only one 10-8 in the main event, which I found kind of interesting considering that 10-8s were kind of just thrown out a little bit, uh, a little bit more loosely on this card. But Yan Janan gets the majority decision win. She snaps a two-fight skid. She didn't have a call out. She didn't call for a title shot, which is very smart. She's not, it's not the kind of fighter that she is. But AK and I will talk about this a little more tomorrow, but... Where does she go from here? Like, how big of a how big of a win is this for her? Obviously, it's huge because you don't want to lose three in a row in the UFC, especially when you're a top ten ranked fighter in your division. But what do we do now? Does she get like a big step up? Is she in a number one contender fight? Like, or is she just you know is this like a turtle race right now? I mean, I think she's just screwed, right? Because uh, <laughs> like, I, I want to make sure I'm not effing this up. No, yeah, this is what's gonna have to happen. <laughs> She's just uh, gonna have to fight Jessica Drosh next, and she's gonna get killed. Jessica Drosh is gonna absolutely obliterate this woman. Um, and so, congrats on the win. To be fair, Mackenzie Dern would have been in the exact same boat, and she would have also gotten wrecked. But like, that's that's a tough prize for winning. Argu- arguably, the best win of your career is you are the cannon fodder to Jessica Drosh. But you know, sometimes that's that's the way the cookie crumbles. I guess. Now, normally a UFC event, the big talking point is the main event and the stakes involved in the main event. But I actually think we've already discussed the main event about as much of the story we're going to get out oh, of this. Oh, I would honestly. love to talk. Let me but, tell you one more thing about the yeah, main event. Mike. Go ahead. I would love to. I have, I have a big thought about Mackenzie Dern. I, I want to talk to Jason Prillo because I have no idea what they're doing. Like her game doesn't make sense. Because she has one skill that is better than everybody else in the world. Like legitimately in the whole wide world. And her game is not built to maximize this skill. And it's, I think, very highly of Jason Prillo. And so my assumption is that he has tried to do stuff. And she just, it, it just doesn't click for her. But like, you can see that she is a better striker than when she started. She is still probably the worst striker in the entire UFC. Like she is just horrible at it. She's really, really bad at it. She has no sense or feel for it. She knows how to throw a punch, one single punch, and then she is willing. She is. She does not get cowed or back off. She will step in and sling. But there is no defensive responsibility at all. Uh, she mostly ducks her head in the same fashion coming forward. And that also translates to her wrestling, which isn't wrestling. She just bends over at the waist and closes in, but she doesn't back it up with any footwork or any explosion. So Jan, Jan looked like a heroic defensive wrestler because she just 
pushed and pivoted. Like it wasn't, she didn't make it hard. And then Dern, even, even at the, in the later rounds where I thought Dern was going to have more success because Jan clearly was tired after the second round of getting her ass beat. Like Dern couldn't corral her. And when she would get in tight to where they could exchange and tie up arms, then Dern would start swinging some punches too. Like I don't like Habib is the guy that you should take your, your cues from. You're never going to be Habib as a wrestler, but the part of Habib's game, like Habib was great because of three things. One, he was the best athlete maybe in the whole sport. Like he was an unbelievable athlete. Nobody ever talked about it. Two, he had unbelievable wrestling and top control grappling. Like those are that. And the third thing was that the rest of his game was built to maximize that. And that's, that is what the top, top fighters do. They, if they have an A-plus skill, the entire game is built around it. Conor McGregor won two belts with a left hand, and every tool he had was a setup, a different trap, a different way to engage that hand because he knew what he had. And you go to the thing. If you have an A-plus-plus skill, if you have a star player, you don't run screen passes for freaking awful players on your football team, you get the ball to Brock Bowers. And like Mackenzie Dern's game is not set up to maximize her grappling. It is if I can get guard pulls or weird tie-ups, like what the hell are we doing? Give this woman a jab, no other punches, a jab, maybe an uppercut and teach her how to shoot a takedown. And even against Jan, she didn't need to shoot. All of her success was not coming at shooting at the legs, shooting at the legs, because Jan was stuffing the head and was clearly prepared for that. All that came when she was just like, I'm actually also a physical monster. And when I get a real tie up around your upper body, I could just hoss you down. Like her game has not been developed to maximize her good skill. And so when she can get her good skill going, it's great. And we saw it tonight. She still had that. But why the whatever they are doing is wrong. Like it is categorically wrong. Cause this woman is never going to be good at striking. She's been doing it for a long time and she can't. And some people just don't adapt to that. Well, and there's nothing wrong with it, but spend every waking minute of her training life getting to the positions that when you fight, it's like, I just, I really have no idea what they're doing because I think Perillo is a great coach and he knows so much more than me, but it feels like they are not seeing the, the problem here. And I, that's why we had what happened today. Like, I don't, I have, she should be a world champion. She's probably never going to be one, but she should be. There is no reason if you have this level of skill that she should not be able to at least challenge for a world championship belt. And I have real, I don't know that she ever will now. There you go. Still waiting for bonuses. We don't have those yet. Uh, by the way, Mike Bell, the only judge to score 10 8. He scored 10 8 in the fifth. He's the one that scored it a draw, 47-47. He scored it the exact way I scored it. Um... Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have 
every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Sean Alshai is going to be joining us in a moment. I can't wait to get his take on all of this. But uh, the big story was not Mackenzie Dern. The big story was not Jan Jonan. The big story was not any of the fighters who competed on the card, Jed. The big story was why were the fans not allowed in the building? Why were the media not allowed to cover this event inside the UFC Apex? We heard the rumor and innuendo about Mark Zuckerberg, Dana White said it was BS that he didn't rent it out. And who knows, maybe he didn't rent it out. Maybe he was an invited guest. And the only way that the Zuck man would show up is if it could just be him and his wife and maybe like his security team or whatever. But uh, it was very weird. It made the, his presence made this a very weird card. It just made it very weird. Every time you looked in his direction and you saw him by himself and then like the second to last fight, I think Dana started joining him and you just saw Zuck and the UFC's just promoting all of this. It was just, it was just bizarre, man. What, what, what did you think? I, I know it wasn't sh- a stunning revelation when you saw Zuckerberg in there, but it was just, it was just so weird. It just didn't make sense. You know, it was just weird. I- I just, it's whatever. Like, I just never, I never cared about this aspect of the thing or whatever. It's billionaires do stuff. It remains weird to me. I had thought that it must have, maybe they were doing something specific because why in God's name would you pick this fight card to be the one you buy out? Um, when on paper it looked bad, and in actuality, it wasn't very good either. Um, but you know, billionaires are eccentric weirdos. Um, and Mark Zuckerberg, certainly one of those. Uh, so I, it's, it, it, it influenced me in no way. Cause it's not like there's a crowd at the apex that you can hear or care. It's always stupid when a fighter says, make some noise at the apex. Cause there's nobody there anyway. Uh, the only part of this that I think about at all is that it's really pretty shitty to not allow the family of the fighters into the arena. Like that's, I don't care about the fans coming to this apex card. Zuckerberg did you a favor. He fell on a grenade for you not having to go watch this shit. But I do feel bad that the families of the fighters or whatever, like couldn't be in the crowd cheering for their sons and daughters and brothers, sisters, et cetera. So the rest of it is like, whatever. Cool. There's a, there's weirdo by the cage. All right. There's Shaheen Al-Shadi joining us live. Sean, we're, we're talking about the presence of 
of the Zuckman. Mark Zuckerberg oh, comes in. And, I mean, talk about the king of impeccable timing. The card is off to a start. We're getting a bunch of first-round finishes. Then we get a second-round finish, and then Zuckerberg's like, you know what? We have to make sure we time this so that we sit down in that front-row seat for the fight for the people's main event, Alexi Olenek versus Alir Latifi. And boy, did those two guys deliver for Mark Zuckerberg. But it, like I was saying to Jed, he didn't really care too much about it. But once you saw him there, it was just hard to ignore. And it was like it was like a canker sore. You don't want to play with it. It hurts like hell, but you can't help it. And I just couldn't help seeing Zuckerberg on my screen. And it kind of like, it was just weird. It was just a very strange aspect of the card. What did you think about Zuckerberg's appearance? I know it wasn't a stunning revelation because Dana White said it wasn't true. And then it turned out being true, which isn't shocking at all. But what? what? I know, right? But I mean, that's crazy talk. Are you kidding me? That guy (laughs) lied to us. That's that's incredible. What did you think Uh, about all this? First of all, Welcome. Uh, uh, thank you, fellas. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Sorry to join a little late. Uh, I'm really enjoying this, just con- watching Jed obviously react to Georgia, <laughs> like right now, like the Georgia it's football the game that's going on. It's really, I'm having a bad night, man. <laughs> I can tell. I'm sort of living vicariously through you right now, and I'm pulling for you. Um, talk about the king of bad timing. This is like the last thing I actually wanted to talk about uh, coming into the show. I mean, I don't know, man. The, the whole thing felt gross kind of right like like i don't really care about mark zuckerberg the dude has has objectively done very harmful things to our society and like is just generally impacting our country in a very negative way so like this lionization of him and this whole night spent like seeing his face and oh look at this zucks just like one of us he, he enjoys the fights just like one of us. Like, yeah, that guy's not like one of us at all. And at never at any point in his adult life, has he been like one of us? Like, I don't look just very because weird we to care me. about democracy. Doesn't mean Zuck isn't like us. Okay. It's fine. Yeah, the whole thing felt super gross and kind of, again, just like these, the image of basically every fighter on the undercard begging for pennies and scraps while, you know, one of the richest men in the world and also other million and billionaires were just sitting in the room, basically having their own private fight show. Like this was a James Bond movie or something was just very hard to to sort of get over, I guess. But yeah, I mean, whatever. I've, I've seen Zuck's name too much this week. I've seen Zuck's name yeah. face too much tonight. Like I have no other Zuck opinions. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I only bring it up because at the end of this card, he's the biggest story coming out of it. I mean, it, the card wasn't great. It wasn't great. It was a fine start. It didn't end spectacularly. And the biggest storyline of this entire card is... <laughs> the biggest, the biggest storyline of this post show is, 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 is Jed, Jed. Jude living and dying on Georgia. Did Georgia you were lucky Jed? I muted my mic there. No, but we finally didn't look like a bad JV high school team on an offensive series. Whew. I, I know I, I come in super late, so I'm sorry to, to retread, but just going back to the main event, how did you fellas score it? I'm sure you've already talked about this, but I'm just curious. For, did, did you score a draw or did you? I scored at 47, 40, or yeah, 47, 46 turn. I gave two 10, eight rounds to her for two and five. I think upon rewatch, I will probably score a 46, 46 draw and also give Jan a, 10 8 round for the third for the time when she almost took Darn's head off. Yes. My my score along with MMA Fighting's official score was 47 47 a draw. 
Okay. What did it say like you, that. Sean? Yeah, I think I sort of landed in that same place too. Round five was weird though, right? Like it's it, that's about as close to a borderline between a 10-8 and a 10-9 as it feels like you can get. Because I don't know that McKinsey was ever like in super omnipresent danger of finishing that fight, but just the striking totals and like how dominant what she was for pretty much like four minutes of the five-minute round kind of pushes me towards a 10-8 a as well. It felt like this fight ultimately like leaving it. If you're just going pride style, like this feels like a draw. And so I scored a draw too, just ultimately, but you can't hate on it one way or another. I, I, Jed, that's an interesting scorecard. I can't hate on either. It's one of those, it's one of those weird fights where it feels like any outcome you can sort of make a good case for it, right? Like you can make yeah. a case for Jan winning, obviously draw, you can make a very good case for it. And ultimately, like, I can't hate on what you're, what you're putting out there, Jed. Yeah. I, uh, like I said earlier, if, if you scored it for Jan, I, I do disagree. I think that you really should not giving her, not giving Dern a 10 8 for either round feels bad to me. But I am also, like I told Mike, uh, in the grand scheme of things, totally okay with Jan winning because Dern mostly fought like an idiot and terribly. And so I don't like rewarding people who fight bad. Uh, so I'm like fine with it in that regard. I, I will say though, like, at this point, it feels like Mackenzie Dern is one of the most frustrating fighters just in general to watch in the UFC and like her general evolution through MMA. Because yes. like I was I, I, I was sort of in the ground floor here in Arizona. Like I went to a lot of her pre-UFC shows and and sort of was was around when, when everyone was, you know, propping her up as sort of this next big thing who's going to hit MMA and obviously justified. Right. Like she's one of the greatest female rappers of all time. The, the evolution is just not there in a way that's so ridiculously frustrating because we were talking about this in our private just slack channel among the team of just like if you give i've been saying this for a couple years now and it's not like some crazy take or some you know i'm not breaking the atom here but like if you give her just two just two go-to takedowns like even takedowns against the fence something a la damian maya and you just give her two takedowns that can reliably work uh the i know right though the pod listeners are gonna have no idea why we keep laughing, but Jed is it's the best. Uh, if you just give her two takedowns that that consistently, not even like all the time will hit, but even like fifty percent of the time will hit. Well, that would that, be really that high woman finish. is a world champion. Like that woman is a world champion, probably pretty quickly. Like I, I, it's it's just so frustrating because she might be the worst wrestler in the entire division, and like her striking isn't is, is, hasn't really evolved as well, and it's just like. I don't know. I know. I know. I know that stuff doesn't come easy for some people. Like it may not just be natural for her to be arrested, but just there's got to be ways for her to get the fight on the ground other than pulling guard because it feels like that a lot of the time. That's what it sort of ultimately reverts to is just her having a pull guard uh, to get this where it wants. Because once she's down there, like there is nothing else at 115 more spectacular than watching McKenzie just drown people, right? Like, like just that that process. I could watch that for 20 minutes straight of her of someone just desperately getting like fending this off and getting tortured a sec essentially still no bonuses yet i love that sean agrees with everything i said by the way uh because yeah she just needs to stop trying to strike she clearly can't do it i'll be back in three seconds uh, i'm gonna watch this fourth down play <laughs> i kind of just want to watch him watch this <laughs> What, oh, what are we doing? Huh. <laughs> All right. So well, what happened? We Tell now have first. Happened. We now have first and goal, but we tried a jet sweep that almost got blown up in the backfield because our wide receivers, again, I can't stress this enough, are bad, and did it. He just refused to get north south. Fortunately, we got it, and now it's first and goal, and hopefully, we won't 
screw the pooch any harder than we already are, and then we can maybe have a game. But please continue. All right, we'll this we'll, we'll talk. This is fitting for for a post show of this type of card because this was a very bad card. Yeah, this yeah. Was I'm a surprised very bad we're doing card. the post show now because like Bellator's happening. Well, I mean, is... we're gonna we're gonna do like a, a Twitter Spaces thing with Bellator. Oh, so okay. we'll we'll, yeah, we'll give them, is a little watch we'll along. Give wants yeah, to we'll do a little watch along. I know from what I understand, why Archuleta is is whooping on Enrique Barzola right now in the in the first fight. But Randy Brown gets a win over Francisco Trinaldo. Jed, I want to turn this over to you. How we about saw them dogs? Randy, I mean, we saw Randy Brown just straight grab the fence. Oh yeah, it was grab the fence. And the always way, cheat, yeah. always cheat. And Why the way not? that and the way that the fight played out, that fence grab could have been it's the huge. win for Randy Brown. It was gigantic. It was gigantic. And again, so I just do what I always do. I tweet out always cheat, always cheat. Oh, you because, should. And I Why had multiple you? coaches. I had multiple coaches text me right after the and he goes always cheat right. I said, yep, always yeah, cheat man. because they're not going to call it. And even Dominic Cruz, J- John Anik had the call of the year on that. He goes, or you can just pull out your damn testicles and take a point. I'm, and again, I'm not saying that a fence grab should be a point, but a fence grab should be, hey, cut the shit down on your back. It's a takedown. We're calling it a takedown. We're stopping the action. We're changing the position. You are on your back. This hulking 43-year-old individual is going to be on top of you, and you're going to have to deal with that. But again, Randy Brown wins. Doesn't matter because you could cheat all you want. And he now has four wins in a row. Were you impressed with Randy Brown, Jed Mishu? Also, real quick, that's how you know it's egregious. Like, that's how you know it's real egregious when John says something. Because, like, I love John. John's the man. He's the best commentator we have. But, like, he normally does not take a side. He carries a lot of water. Yeah, he doesn't take a side in like that type of way, and we, for him to do that immediately—that's when you know something was egregious. Yeah, it's yeah. just crazy. It's just nuts. Like Dominic Cruz is saying already, he goes, "Hey, he goes, just keep cheating because the referees aren't going to do anything. They're not going to call it, so you should just do it." And then John said what he had to say. But with the cheating, Jed, Randy Brown gets the victory. Were you impressed? He's now got four wins in a row. Francisco Trinaldo just continues to be a very tough guy to fight. Look, I don't know how many more times we can say it or any number of times that you can see the benefits of cheating in any athletic competition. (laughs) Uh, It's just out there, especially because one, it's not cheating if you don't get caught. And in MMA, it's just not cheating in general because there's no such thing as getting caught because nothing happens. So why wouldn't you? It's just being savvy is all it is. Uh, Yeah, I... My main thought about this fight outside of the way to go, Randy Brown, I'm proud of you. You did the right thing uh, is man. Those two dudes are not in the same way. (laughs) The whole time I was watching, I was like, well, one of these men does not look like the other one. So it's a bit of a shame that it took egregious cheating and a colossal size advantage, but Good for you, Randy Brown. Four in a row. You're like a legitimately interesting guy in this weight division. So, uh, yeah. Francisco yeah. Trinaldo still out here having competitive fights with like legitimately great, tough, fight- legitimately like good fighter and fighters. And Trinaldo is like 44, and he's still like Dude, the last week has been close. phenomenal for for your elders. Respect your elders, kid. Guido Canetti comes out and makes Dude Co- Costa look like an absolute amateur. doing old things everybody's doing great lately well it wasn't a linux night though 
wasn't a Linux night. You can't Rita strangle Pinetti a man with no been neck. The biggest underdog on the card was he really? No, I, Don I, Don Shane. I was say, I thought Shane, Shane is. Oh, well, outside Shane of, is the biggest. Outside yeah. of the yeah, outside of that. Yeah, Costa was like a minus two ninety or something like that. He was he was a big favorite. He ruined the fight. Randy parlay. He ruined the Randy parlay. Uh, Sean, before we go to the peeps, what's your biggest takeaway from this card? What's when when your child when he's ready to walk and talk and oh, yeah. he says, "Dad, Dad, I want to go back and watch Regale all the great fights of, of the year I was born." Before I turn me on about UFC Vegas sixty one, what should I watch first? What are you gonna tell your young child? Uh, I would tell him he should probably find other interests. Don't go back and watch this. <laughs> this is that would be very silly. Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, the undercard was was very fun for the most part. Yeah. Like basically, it, funny enough, everything until Zuck got there was like pretty entertaining for the most part, right? Like it was regional MMA type of card in which like you know very quick finishes and kind of overmatched matchmaking in some regards. So in that type of way, you go to regional card, you see lots of finishes. It's a lot of fun. That was cool. <laughs> Calm down, Jed. It'll be okay. <laughs> It'll be okay, man. Uh, but ultimately I think really my biggest takeaway is just again, the frustration when it comes to Mackenzie Dern's evolution, because it feels like, I, like she is so close to just becoming just this ultra elite straw weight in this division. She's figured out the weight for a long time. The weight was the problem. It's just those takedowns, man. If she could just find one or two, I'm not going to rehash it. But that that ultimately is my big takeaway. But also, I got to say, give some credit to Sadiq Yusuf out here who dealt with a very difficult situation. Like this guy has been grinding for a while trying to get a top-ranked fight. Finally gets something in that regard against Giga. And then that falls out. He ends up having to fight this guy on very short notice. And he treats him like a 10-to-1 favorite shooter, whatever he ended up being, right? Like 30 seconds. At this point, 7-1 and one under the Zuffa sort of umbrella, if you count contender series. And that one is, is just a loss to Arnold Allen, which I don't you don't take that away from anybody. Like, like Arnold Allen's one of the best damn fighters in this whole 145 division. I really want, like, Sadiq Yusuf to get this opportunity now to fight a contender, like a real contender, and, and make his way up the rankings because he has sort of been stuck in this 12 to 15 range for a long time. I know Giga was going to be that guy. If he if he can get the Korean Zombie one, anything, really. Like, I just – I have high – I have high uh, – I, I believe in Sadiq Yusuf. Let me say it that way. Like I, I feel like there's more there that we're not getting, and he's just sort of grinding away in this in this bottom zone without getting this opportunity. So ultimately, good on him for, for getting it done in 30 seconds. Again, treating it like he should have as such a big favorite. But I hope he can get a, a big fight that's a meaningful fight because he deserves it. Yeah, it would be it would be ill if that happened. But I think he's going to get Ilya, and that's going to be a tough night at the office for him probably. But I think that's probably what's going to happen because Ilya's going to fight October 29th. Still better than being Jan. Yeah, that's true. Still better than being Jan. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, good win for Sadiq. Uh, He did what he had to do. My biggest takeaway, it was nice to see Mike Davis back in the octagon. This guy has had horrific luck. I mean, just awful luck. And I always reference the interview that never saw the light of day on MMAfighting.com. I interviewed Mike Davis right after the Mason Jones win. And there was just so much happening at the time that it just never got released, but it was the most fascinating interview with Mike Davis. You probably ever heard and him just running through the litany of things he went through just to get to the Mason Jones fight, including getting run over by a car. Yes. He's riding his bike and he got hit by a car, which knocked him out of action for almost another year. And now He's gone. The Mason Jones fight, he was so hurt and so banged up heading into that fight. He probably should have pulled out of it, 
but just hid all the injuries that he had, fought an absolute insane fight, won it, and then he's been gone for 20 months. He comes back against a pretty tough dude in Slava Klaus, who was a replacement opponent for his original opponent. Great and he man. went out there and wrestled his ass off, had a great performance. And then he cuts a 30-second promo for his sponsor. Was a skinny skinny bets? Cuts a 30-second radio ad in the cage for skinny bets and then gets a social media following. He's probably going to get another 50,000 followers in the next couple of days. A-plus post-fight interview, Mike Davis. I have an unbelievable matchup for him on on to the next one. It's the one. If if you know what I'm talking about, on to the next one, fans. We finally have, we've, we've got the one. We've got the one we've been fighting for and looking for for quite some time. But that was my biggest takeaway. Jed, what's your biggest takeaway from this card? I mean... And let me find another one because my actual answer to this is Mackenzie Dern. Like it's, and that feels disrespectful to Yan Janan, right? Because she won the fight, even if I didn't score it for her technically. Like I, she looked good and did the thing she wanted to do really well and showed even a little more power than I thought I'd given her credit for. But my big takeaway is going to be the Dern, the Dern thing. So if I'm not doing Dern because I don't want to do it, uh, oh, it's Brendan Allen. Uh, that's Brendan a good Allen, one. yeah, that's yeah. Uh, maybe it wouldn't be, but you guys have already taken other good choices. So, uh, Brendan Allen's performance against Jocko, it's what I thought he was going to do and what I thought he was capable of doing. Uh, but we're seeing the talent coalesce here. Brendan Allen has always been very talented, but and he's got some good wins over like legitimately still good guys. But every time he has stepped up to a top 15 ish level opponent. He's he's been set back like he he hasn't been able to get over that hump, but he's got a ton of experience and he's still young. He's still in his mid twenties. So, uh, his performance maybe we didn't see anything particularly new. A lot of what we saw is stuff that I knew he could do and was good at, but him doing it on a against an opponent who I think the UFC does have ranked. I'm not a hundred percent certain on that, but I know he's a. He's a far for us. He is a fighter also receiving votes uh, as far as Jocko goes. And I think Brendan Allen is, we're going to see more from him coming up, right? Like he, he is really talented and he's just going to be hitting the prime of his athletic peaks and his career really. And I'm excited to see what he can do at middleweight. We have bonuses. Uh, and I was Finally. wrong. I was wrong about the biggest takeaway and I will bring that up in a okay. second. Um, yeah, I have, I have something to add on that as well. Yeah, I think we're going to probably go to the probably same, the same place. thing. I'll turn it up to you. Uh, fight of the night clearly was John Cassidy or Daniel Santos versus John Cassidy. What a crazy comeback win from Daniel the Robot yeah, Santos. Four performance bonuses. Maybe the Zuck man kicked in a couple of bucks. Guido Canetti, Chelsea Chandler, the now 16th ranked middleweight Brendan Allen, because the stakes were very high in that fight, is for number 16, and Joaquin Silva. First win so, in so the first four, four years. The first yeah. four <laughs> the fights first of the card fight. got bonuses. All, all got the pre-Zuck fights. All the pre-Zuck yeah. fights. All the pre-Zuck <laughs> fights. Uh, Sean, <laughs> what, what was the other big takeaway? Because there's one that I just I I saw a comment. I'm like, oh, how the hell did I forget this? Go ahead. Yeah, I think I saw the same comment as you, my man over here, J G E. Yeah, you you brought it up. Uh, yeah, literally the TV. I totally forgot about it. <laughs> That he fought with a staph infection. How? What? <laughs> what? I think that like, happens wait. a lot, but they usually just don't tell people. They don't say it on the mic. There's a reason, like, <laughs> like you can't go to the gym with a staph infection. Those things are incredibly contagious. 
especially on mats on canvas like what what like i don't have like what how is this a thing that we're doing who's fighting how are we allowing people to fight with staph infections in the ufc in 2022 are you kidding me I would so be nonchalant about it. Too. I would goes, be yeah, I just got a staph infection a couple days ago. And and then he gave like, I thought, it, then we thought he was going to retire. And then he was like, nah, he's not going to retire. And then he, we thought he was going to retire. And then he didn't, then he took it back. And I'm like, all right, just retire. Like, are you going to retire or not retire? But it was the weirdest post-fight interview of of the night, no doubt. Jed? I just, I just don't understand. I don't understand because okay. like, lots of people fought after him on the same canvas also he's just probably been in the apex and all the training rooms in whatever hotel in vegas and etc like other people have been using the same mats as him all week long like what how is someone please someone who's a, a more trained on medical expertise please explain to me how this is possible without everybody on this card getting sick someone said doc probably cleared it but like how can you clear staph infection that you found two days ago i, I just i don't know it's not know. optimal. It, no. Like no. if I'm if I'm Yan Chao Nan and I end up with staff on my face from when Mackenzie Dern was literally rubbing my face in the mat, like <laughs> I will be I would be so, so angry because it just shouldn't have happened. Like it's and, just it seems dumb. And that fight was right before the prelim main event or the last fight for the prelim. And they went right into that thing because it was 25 minutes before the top of the hour. I don't think anybody was in there zamboning the, the <laughs> octagon floor. It was uh, it was just like, all right, well, we'll just spray it down, give it a little wipey wipe, and come on, John and Daniel, let's get out there and do the damn thing. And both guys are on the mat, both guys are dropped. Yeah, there you go. So just a real uh, real banner night, just a real banner a, night. I mean, all this was yeah, this, this was uh, as AK we cover said, a real sport. We cover a real sport, y'all. Yeah, as it's AK says so eloquently, it's uh, it was a card. It was a card. All right. Let's, uh, if you guys got questions, we're going to take like three or four and then we're going to get out of here because Bellator is going on right now. We want to make sure that and BKFC is going on right now. We are about to get to big Ben Rothwell. He is next in line. How many fights? This is of, what uh, big Ben should have been doing his whole life too. He was made for this. Oh I'm, yeah. I'm very excited. He was like three. That. He was like two ninety five, right? On the way in. It should be illegal to allow that man to fight bare knuckle other humans like he's oh, gonna, okay yeah that's gonna he's be gonna, fighting it's gonna be dope it's I'm excited be about it let's say a couple speaking of brandon allen what, what did we think of uh brandon allen calling out andre muniz for ufc 283 so the now number 16th ranked middleweight on the planet says let's go to rio and let's take on a dude that nobody's calling out jed what did you think of brandon allen calling out andre muniz for uh for brazil in january i love the ambition um, because nobody is calling him out. Nobody's calling him to go to Brazil and fight him. And strictly because it's so ambitious, he has a chance at it. Because otherwise, I don't think he does. Because Muniz is going to be trying to fight forward. Allen, I don't think, is ranked in the UFC. I don't know if he'll get one with this win. So uh, I love the ambition. I'm not sure that it's – I mean, it's an awful style call out for him. Like, Allen will lose that fight if it happens. But respect the man for taking his shot, you know? I I got no issues with it. John? Yeah, no, I mean, major respect. No one's out here calling Andre Manuz out. I think that's the first one I've ever heard, in, <laughs> at least in his UFC run, right? Like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like we've talked about this before. Of <laughs> Dogs on top, baby! Dogs on top! I figured. Top. 
I, I don't know what else. Screenshot yeah. that face that you just made. That was great. That's the best. Please. Um, I don't even remember. You guys should have seen me during the national championship game. My friends have videos. It was it was tough. It's tough hang. Hey man, we we've all been there. We've all been there. Uh, what was I even saying? Oh, like during this UFC run, like no one's calling out Andre Muniz. I feel like we've all talked about this, but like he's gonna fight for a title probably later rather than sooner because i don't know that the ufc is going to give him a quick route there but like once he gets oh, there yeah. he might be champion so yeah good on you brendan allen trying to call that guy out you're not going to get it uh and you know you probably shouldn't get it like jed said that's a terrible stylistic matchup for him but uh, you gotta love the balls on it absolutely uh thoughts on hyoni barcelos's performance against trevin jones sean coming back from the victor henry loss earlier this year looked pretty damn good he dominated the fight yeah, I mean, anytime you're getting a 30-25, right? <laughs> it's not a bad night in the office. Good night. Uh, see if we get any more here. A lot of judging talk, but I think we've covered the judging pretty extensively on this thing. We'll pull up this one. Uh, what's we'll, we'll call it like under the radar. Chelsea Chandler just beat the hell out of Julia Stoliaranko tonight. That was impressive. Julia had good position early on, got the takedown. She tried to secure maybe an arm bar. Then she did the dumb thing, Mike. <laughs> like didn't. I was talking about with Mackenzie Dern. Yep. When you get when someone gifts you a mount, just stay there. Like you don't it going from mount to arm bar is I have always thought this like the worst thing you could do. I'm taking away this dominant, the most dominant position for a, a finishing opportunity. Like I'll just sit, I'll just sit right here. I'll punch you in the face. I'll just do this all day. And like, she might have won the fight had she not gone for that arm bar. And then, because as soon as she did, it was like, oh, we're done here. <laughs> she can't do anything else. It's very bad. You know who did get an amount and did did the punching thing? Chelsea Chandler did that. And that's yeah. why she got the finish. Super effective. I don't know if you guys have ever heard the phrase of just punch people in the face. It's really good at winning fights. <laughs> I don't, that's, Jiu-jitsu is wonderful, and I love jiu-jitsu. It's awesome. You yeah, can also was... just use it to hold position and beat the hell out of somebody. Yeah, that was an impressive performance. Daniel Santos really impressed me, low-key, because that dude is a freaking zombie. He took some big shot. John Castaneda was like was flowing out there, hitting him with everything. Drop Santos. I was like, this fight's donezo. And then Santos just gets up like nothing happened. It was like Castaneda knocked him out and then brought him back to life like six different times. And then by the time he just sat on the stool, it was like the stool just gave him like extra superpowers because Castaneda kept lighting him up in the second round. And Santos like didn't even budge. He just kept going forward and then landed just a disgusting knee. And the one thing that actually made the non-crowd the one moment that made the non-crowd sort of stand out was that knee that Santos landed because it was a different sound than anything we heard throughout the night, John. Yeah, absolutely. That was a wild fight, hell of a comeback, but also I can really appreciate the shoot box uh, commitment and, and loyalty <laughs> and dedication to all sort of looking like Charles Oliveira with the bleached hair and stuff like that's And the getting your ass kicked until you yeah, suddenly everything, kick somebody's right? ass. Just replicating this man's style. I, I am here for that. Like props to you guys. That's loyalty. Too. it was awesome uh yeah i i bet santos uh live during after the first round so i was like i think castanet is breaking <laughs> like he i know he almost killed him twice but he didn't and it really looks like he is tired and doesn't want to be there anymore and santos 
just stayed on him. That man, whoo, tough, tougher than a two dollar steak, baby. Yeah, you could see the frustration in his eyes at the end of the first round. Yeah, he, he actually looked up at the clock with about 15 seconds left in the first round. And that was a great live bet, Jed. Very smart on your part. Very smart. I, you know, I, you I missed I missed a few yeah. of them. I'm not he took a couple about, hits. I'm not telling you about the live bets on. I made that didn't work. So. Uh, oh, I didn't know about those. But oh, yeah, I mean, took a couple of those. Didn't but that work. was a good one. You should host well, a, a gambling podcast on MMAfighting.com. That'd be great. I'll, I'll look into it. Okay, cool. All right, I think we're done. I think we have given this card just in time for Big Ben. Baby. Twenty-five minutes more than we probably should have, but uh, Bellator going on right now. So, in a, in a matter of moments, we are going to once I get this all situated and up on the website, uh, we're going to go on to the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces and we're going to watch whatever's left of the Bellator main card together. And we'll have some fun. We'll bring some people in, and we'll uh, we'll do the darn thing. So for Sean, for Jed, I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the card and enjoy the Bellator card as well. We'll see you guys later. Love you guys. Go dogs. Love you guys. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.